Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, the podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with singer-songwriter Greg Hancock, who's based in Devon in the UK. I caught up with Greg after we both performed on the Fatia stage at Wimbledon Minster Folk Festival back in the summer. And we had a really fascinating conversation about songwriting, collaboration, criticism and creativity in general. You can find Greg online at greghancockmusic.com and you can find me at robertlanemusic.co.uk as well as on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as at robertlanemusic. If you would be so kind as to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, that would be fantastic because it will help more people to discover it and hear future episodes. Okay, here's my conversation with Greg Hancock. We're in Wimborne. Yeah. We've both played the festival this afternoon. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed your set very much. There was quite a lot of those stories from some of those songs that I thought would be potentially interesting to pick up on as we chat, if that's okay. <laughs> sure. So I want to talk about creativity, um, but I'd like to start really with how did music or being creative come into your life what was kind of the it was kind of always there my 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 family are reasonably musical Mm -hmm. um uh, my father was a vicar he's not musical himself but he's a music fan Mm -hmm. classical music mum played piano for hymns and things like that my brother um at the age of four was a musical prodigy Mm -hmm. and uh quite quite extraordinary and really was right up into the age of sort of 20 when other people caught up with him he's still brilliant but um he he never quite made concert pianist level um so there was always music around i was always the one who wasn't musical i was Mm -hmm. the one who was um visually creative and so i got boxes of paints when he got piano lessons yeah and uh always thought that that was more my thing um, but I was given a guitar when I was about 12, which was meant to be given to my brother. Um, but they got the name wrong and they said, so somebody, somebody had bought one and didn't want it. And they'd said, Oh, this can be for Greg. Ah. And mum gave it to me, but then found out that actually she meant the clever one. <laughs> um, but it was mine and it was just a nylon string classical guitar. And mum immediately said, I'll pay for some lessons. And I went to about three. Mm. And just realized that isn't what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I liked sitting in my bedroom, making noise with it mm-hmm. and working it out. And I did have a book and I learned some chords, but immediately I was just saying, but it kind of, there must be more to it than that. And I didn't want to play Bobby Shafto's Gone to Sea anymore. <laughs> so I kind of messed around and, and started making up tunes and it just came easily somehow. Mm. Um, and since then, really, I've had no interest in playing covers or anybody else's. I do it from time to time, yeah. but um, it, it's just always been something that I've done. I've, I don't really think about it anymore. Um, I've written songs really since that age, since I was about 11 or 12, um, and some of them have survived. I mean, uh, not many from that time, but there are one or two from when I was 17 or 18 that mm-hmm. are still worth listening to, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just something I've always done. Um, 
but uh, I mean, I don't know if you were there, but were you there for the, the last song I did today? Yeah. I just don't know. It's, it's just something that occurred to me of just what a weird, strange thing it is that, that we do. <laughs> um, of, you know, just sitting around at home with a guitar, making up stuff that nobody's going to listen to. Mm. Nobody cares about very much. And yet we carry on doing it, you know. And if you can get a few people to listen occasionally, that's yeah. nice. But I did it for years without that. I, I only started performing six years ago. So for most of my life, that's been a bedroom thing. So that you've been writing for your own expression without sort of passing it on to it. It wasn't thought about. I just did it. It just happened. Yeah. Um, and performing never really came into it. But partly, uh, I did a bit of performing when I was in my 20s, but not very much. Um, did a couple of folk club mm-hmm. sets and things like that. But um, no, I mean, and then I traveled abroad. So I was in the Middle East where there's no market for acoustic singer songwriters. Um, so I kept it to myself and I mm. just, I just wrote without ever thinking that I might perform it. It just never occurred to me. And it was only when I came back to Britain unexpectedly and against my will and went to a local open mic and suddenly thought, well, I'm better than them <laughs> and thought I'd have a go. <laughs> and I just remember being so nervous, but it, was good enough that mm. some of the people that were there sort of came up and said nice things. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, well, okay, I'll carry on doing that. And then somebody offered me a gig <laughs> and it kind of, it kind of just happened from there. But the writing is the kind of, that's the easy part for me. Mm. That's, um, that's kind of just what I do. I don't write a diary or anything and I don't always write about myself, but I mean, it would be a weird day if there wasn't at least half an hour of just picking up the guitar and, and noodling. Mm. Okay, you know. couple of questions from that then. <laughs> um, when you did those open mics then, those first mm. couple of gigs, was that material from years before or recent? No, it was recent. Mix. It was recent, but basically because I I was embarrassed about my own guitar, so I wanted to borrow a guitar from the pub, <laughs> which meant I had to do something in standard tuning, which I hadn't used since uh, I was about 15. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'd written a couple of things in standard tuning just for doing that, really, and mm. was surprised that they, they came out okay. Um, and uh, so, yes, yeah, so it was, you know, I can write quite quickly when I need to. Yeah, you enjoy writing to. A oh, brief say enjoy it. Okay. You're, <laughs> you're able to write to... Um, I can write to schedule. order when I have to. Yeah. The stuff that goes on albums isn't like that. That okay. tends to be stuff that fulminates and takes ages. Um, although it's usually finished quickly. But I'll, I'll have a verse and a tune for a long time before the song's finished. Mm-hmm. But when, it, when it's time to finish it, I can finish it in 10 minutes if I have to. So do the songs start, because for me, a lot of the time, it's the, the the inspiration, if you like, is the easy bit. The song arrives, a chord sequence arrives, a bit of melody comes. Great, thank you, wherever that's come from. But do you get the story first? I mean, do you, do you have an idea about what you want to write about and then start? It it varies, really. When I, when I was first writing songs, it would be very much, I'd be sat at the piano or the guitar and stuff would happen. And I wouldn't always know what I was talking about. And then the, the journey is working out what you're talking about. Yes. But the craft of it then is to finish it. 
I think. It's the third verse. It's the it? third verse. Or the, <laughs> yes, it's the bit that's different that stops it getting boring in the middle. Yeah. Where you're right, writing is, if I, if I know about a story that I want to write about, for example, or a character, that does make it a tiny bit easier. Yeah. And then you are, even if it's for your own yeah. order, you're writing to an order, yeah. which is, is a slightly different, um, thing i think finding source material is the key isn't it it's like being a journalist or a writer it, if you had the luxury of just waiting for inspiration to strike that'd be great but it isn't always yes, that way that's is it? true i mean i, th- I think one sort of thing as, as you get older as well and i've i've found this that other people have noticed that basically you know i don't write very much about my relationships mm-hmm. and that's because i think they're boring because they're just like everybody else's relationships you know okay and, and I think that basically, you know, enough has been said about that, mm-hmm. really. So it's more interesting to find something else. Mm. Um, but I, I don't generally have an idea of what I'm going to write. I can do, as I say, I can mm-hmm. write to order, but generally it's a few chords. And then from somewhere, a line will come out and it mm. becomes clear later on that actually that is what I've been thinking about. Yes. Um, and, so suddenly, sort of, by halfway through the second verse, I get an idea of, oh, I think this is probably about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't know I would be writing about that. <laughs> Didn't know I thought that. <laughs> Didn't know I thought that. Until all... just and now. what do I think? Yeah. What am I trying to say to um, myself? And is it important? Can I lie? <laughs> you know? And sometimes I lie. Yeah. If it rhymes. Yeah. You're <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's part, it's a balance between honesty and appearing honesty Mm. i think i don't think you have to be selling i don't think you have to be putting your soul out there all the time Mm -hmm. it uh, it, it can be an illusion it Mm -hmm. is an illusion um so (laughs) what it is i mean you know you i'm joan armor trading um in an interview you know this is after 40 40 years of singing love and affection and still being able to make people cry with it, being asked, does it, you know, how do you feel when you play that? And she says, I can't stand the bloody song. <laughs> you know, but it, I get in touch but with that. I know yeah. that it means so much to other people. Of course, it will always be in the set. Um, mm. And I give it my best. Mm. But it's acting. I know if I just crack my voice just at that moment, that's when everybody will collapse. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a game. But that's part of that's part of the creativity. I mean, it's, yeah. that it's not just about the music. Actually, getting into performing, yeah, and being able to tell stories and engage people a bit—that's part of it. And the person that's standing up stage is definitely me, mm-hmm. but it's not the same me that you get in the pub. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Maybe mm-hmm. other people think it is. I don't know. I don't think it is. Um, it's a selective me. Yes, it's a, a character. <laughs> it's yeah. a character that yeah. you play, and it's the side of me that I like. That's interesting. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't always like the side of me that appears on stage. <laughs> it's, uh, it's me, but I, there's a certain there's a certain element of it where I don't want to talk like that. But it's slightly different to, you know. Do you get nervous? Um, not really. If it's something very new... Um, if it's a place I haven't played before, I will I will get kind of stressed about logistics of getting there and that yeah. kind of thing, which isn't I, isn't myself feeling nervous about the gig, but probably actually it's it probably really, is yeah. if I was honest about it. But it's rare that I'm on stage feeling nervous. I have to say, how about you? Not anymore. Yeah, I, th- I think it was partly 
persuading myself that I was able to do it mm-hmm. so that if it doesn't go well, that's my fault. So mm-hmm. I, I like to be prepared. I don't like doing it unless I've actually thought about it and I've got mm-hmm. a set list mm-hmm. and I, I kind of know what I'm doing. But once I've thought about it, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have a trick. I mean, you know, I think my guitar playing is good enough that if I suddenly think my voice really isn't working today, I can kind of get away with it by doing some twiddles on the guitar. Some twiddly bits. <laughs> and, well, that's, yeah, I wanted to talk um, about that, actually. You, so I've seen you perform today, and it's quite a, it seems a guitar-led uh, songwriting style from the outside. Is that mm. true? Is it sort of... Is Not it... to me. Okay. But I, I completely appreciate why it comes across so, like that. So what is the process? It's, oh, it's lyric-led for me. It's ah, all okay. about lyrics. It always has been. And, and all my idols are all superb, fantastic, brilliant guitarists. Mm-hmm. But it's their singing that I really love. That's, I mean, that's very interesting. Um, you mentioned Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell's set, so one. fall into that. Um, oh, Jenny Mitchell's guitar playing is just extraordinary, and I, and unlike anybody else's, yep, unique. Um, and and the song comes from it, I think. But but it, well, the feeling of the song comes from it. Um, mm. But she, well, it's very hard to talk about what she does um, because it doesn't always come off. I mean, you know, not every Joni Mitchell song is as brilliant as the others. You know, but, but they're all pretty good. <laughs> Nick Jones. The old folk guitarist I was listening to on the way up here again because he's just released a retrospective album. Mm-hmm. And it still dazzles me. It absolutely dazzles me. You know, Sam Carter, do you know Sam Carter that was here? I mean, he's the best of that style that I think is around at the moment. But I mean, he's basically a student of Nick Jones. Uh-huh. And although his songwriting is infinitely better than anything Nick did. His guitar playing is wonderful, but Nick had something so extraordinary. Um, and yet, you know, I know Nick now, and, you know, he, he's the first one to say, I'm a rubbish guitarist, you know, you know go to Seville. <laughs> Listen to some 14-year-old kid sitting on the curb of the street, and then you'll hear guitar playing. Yeah. you know, <laughs> And he's right. But he did manage to find a new style that he'd, he'd taken from Martin Carthy and the, the other people that were around and added rock and roll, basically. Mm-hmm. He, he added the shadows to it because he said oh, he just wanted to be Hank Marvin. Yes. Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, didn't like folk music, but it was a way of getting gigs. Yep. And at that time, there was the folk circuit and bloke with a guitar could get gigs and make a living. Yeah. So he did folk music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, you couldn't do rock and roll without a band. Yeah. And then you don't get any money. <laughs> so well, it's it, all yes. practical, you know. It's all practical. Um, There's that story of the Beatles, isn't there, trying to get their first gig at the Cavern? Yes. And they said, well, this is a jazz club. Okay, right. Well, this is um, this is a jazz song by uh, Little Richard. <laughs> you know, it's kind of... And, yeah, I can see a bit of that in, in quite a few people. Um, yeah. But I, I think in terms of... You know, when when I listen to Nick Jones today... I can still hear what inspired me. I don't hear him so much in the way I play now, although mm. it is still there. But I hear it in some of the young kids coming through who have mm. never heard of him. Because mm. it's been filtered through. And it's been filtered else. through two or three generations. And I can say, do you, do, you, do you know where that comes from? And when you play it to them, they're amazed. Mm. Because actually, it's better. 
than the, the stuff that they were material. listening to, you know. Not interesting. Um, and I think, you know, t- time for other people to start listening to that sort of, well, I'm talking about the creativity of there. It was, he was very much, he had two ideas and he said, basically, I don't want to be traditional, mm-hmm. but I want to play in places where traditional play- people <laughs> play. So it has to kind of go that way. And I want the guitar to be separate from the voice. Mm. Two things are going on at the same time, which work perfectly together, but aren't dependent on each other. So uh, his guitar arrangements, sometimes, I mean, the reason they're interesting is they go they go to chords that you just, what are you doing? And yet it works. Um, and uh, I've always followed that. Joni did the same thing. She just chords that bamboozled other musicians. Um, you know, Pat Metheny that she played with, you know, would, would just say, Joni, what, what is that? <laughs> I said, I don't know, but it sounds pretty. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but that, you can't have that chord after that one. <laughs> Why not? It sounds nice. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. If it sounds good, it yeah. is good. It works. Um, and he's, you know, he's a jazz guitarist. So, I mean, he was used to, the, but the jazz has rules and, yeah, she, yeah. and she wasn't even following them. You know? Yes. And well, this is something that I find interesting in general with, with musicians and with all sorts of things is you have people of incredible ability, technical ability on their, and their facility on an instrument is, is amazing. And then you have people with much less ability, but their, their ability is to communicate an emotion. Yes. And, that happens. and create a feeling. Yeah. And, yeah. Sometimes a very, very technically brilliant performance doesn't do that. No. Um, and then I know the stories of many songwriters who've reached a sort of a peak of level on one instrument. I, I know the guitar players, John Lennon said it, you know, and then he would write on piano because he wasn't very he good at piano. Else, yeah. So yes. he had to search. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, in a different well, that's way. what tuning's about for me. That, that's, that's partly sort of, right, okay, time to just mess up the machine heads and just come up with some completely ridiculous unplayable tuning and you don't know where you are well you don't know where you are and you have to learn to play the guitar again yes yeah um and that produces chords that are impossible and um and then once you found one where's the next one um and from that comes a sequence and you know so so, but it is all about getting away from the comfort zone Mm -hmm. um because everybody just goes to the same place all the time. And, yeah. and, and you just kind of think, well, oh, that's why everybody's third album is a bit boring because they've kind of written what they want to write. And they, now they're just yeah. doing it because they don't know what else to do. Yes. You know? It's a rehash sometimes. Um, and I think changing instrument, John Martin, I mean, like, you know, another huge heroes, amazing guitarist, amazing inventive embracing electronics and looping mm. and, uh, all sorts of things basically decided kind of done everything I can do with an acoustic guitar. I'll play a bit of electric, electric lead and get a keyboard player, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll just do some electric lead. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that before. Yeah. And never played the acoustic car, the guitar again. Mm-hmm. And just, I've done, I've, I've said what I want to say with that. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> um, and I admire that because I've tried to learn other things. I mean, I can get a tune out of almost anything guitar shaped. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Strings <laughs> um, and frets. I can get can a tune something. out of it, but I don't yeah. feel comfortable with it. Yeah. But I haven't got any instrument that can sing. I can't play lead. Right. 
Okay. And I'd love to. I'd love to be able to play lead or violin or something that, or clarinet or something that you can sing with. Uh-huh. Um, and I can't because I can hear the line I want to sing and I can't sing it because my voice is too low. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and I just think I'd just love to be able to do that. I can't. I can't jam with people. I can't. I don't know how it works. I can't even do a 12 bar blues because I don't know how it works. You don't know what the. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, I, yeah, yeah. And. And when I do it, it just sounds like a nine-year-old. But isn't it interesting <laughs> how we reflect our um, our influences and our idols? Because I don't know. Would would Joni be able to jam a 12-bar blues? Uh, she would be able to join in with stuff. Yeah, at least harmonise. Right. I mean, at least, well, at least I can throw in a harmony. Yeah, yeah, vocally. Maybe. And I can't without rehearsal. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, I can with rehearsal. Yes, I have to learn it. Can we talk about singing then? Because again, yeah. something I find very interesting. Um, most singers, however great they are, when you actually speak to them, not most. That was that was a risk. Let me start again. <laughs> Let's talk about singing. <laughs> How do you? Um, you mentioned something earlier as a throwaway, but I just wondered if it if it went yeah. deeper about if you if you feel like your voice isn't happening in quite the way you want it on a particular day you can do something on the guitar yeah does that work the other way as well yes okay yeah it does now um i always thought that my singing was the weakest part of Mm -hmm. what i did i always thought you know songwriting first reasonable guitarist at least unusual guitarist doesn't sound like you're run of the mill i can get away with that and the singing was the weak bit especially live and i guess it's partly it's partly improved from doing it more and getting used to listening to myself, you know, having been recorded and, and listening to recordings and realizing, oh, when I do that, that sounds okay. And when I do that, it really doesn't. Mm. <laughs> um, and learning a range and not being so scared about it. And, you know, that there are, there are some singers around now that taught me that. I don't know. Did you know Luke, Luke Jackson? Mm-hmm. The first time I saw Luke Jackson live. I was sitting about three yards in front of him and he's got one of those voices that when he, when he wants to, he just unleashes it and it hits you. It's a physical weapon in the chest and you can see that he does it on purpose and he'll do it. And he just looks around with this sort of, <laughs> see there what I can go. do. Yep. And he doesn't overdo it, but he's got it. It's there. And I just said, I'm so jealous of that, having that weapon mm. that, you know, Everybody just sits back like this, you know, and, um, and I just wondered whether I could. And I suddenly found that I have got a bigger voice than I thought. Mm-hmm. I can generally sing in tune, mm-hmm. but you know what? Most of the people that like me, they, when they come and say what they like, my demographic is basically people my age or older. They're the people that listen to me. And they like hearing the words. <laughs> they like to be able to hear the words. And they said, well, you sing so clearly, we can hear the words. And I said, yeah, I like that too. <laughs> I can't bear songwriters who have written gorgeous songs. Yeah. With, and they've spent hours and hours and hours agonizing over the words. And you can't bloody hear them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't matter when it's Ricky Lee Jones. I mean, that's all right. You can forgive her. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean... In general, I think if you're going to tell a story, it's got to be a story. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, if you're painting a portrait, 
it's got to be a portrait. It's got to be something that people can latch onto and kind of get the joke. Yeah. If there oh, is yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> so, I mean, that, that's definitely something that I've worked on and decided that that's what I'll do. And mm. if I'm critical of other singers, sometimes it is because it's, such, you know, they've written such a beautiful song with such beautiful poetic lyrics. It'd be nice hear to them. hear it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or it's overproduced and you can it all gets lost in the Things mix in the way. And, you know, mm. um, and, uh, my producer is very, he's very, the reason I work with him is because he gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I always have to say, George, just lift the voice a bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I want to mix it like an instrument in the mix. I said, no, it's not about that. <laughs> you know, that it's a story. This bit has to be heard and he'll do it and it works. Um, so that's given me confidence actually that actually the thing that, the thing that I'm, I was least interested in and least confident about is actually what people like. Yes. Um, which is kind of, all right then, you know, so I'm okay with the guitar. I'm okay with the songwriting. You like hear the words. Well, we're all all right. You you mentioned earlier that as a a kid, you were, um, creatively, creatively visual. Mm. So I wonder, um, do you still have other outlets creativity? Is it just music? Are there other things that you do? Well, I'm a teacher, and I guess I, that does involve uh, a level of creative mind. I work with adults, mm. but um, and I only use my own materials. I don't use anything published. So there is a creativity in that, but I kind of resent it because it takes away from songwriting. And what do you teach? I'm teaching – well, that's a complicated thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I teach foreign executives – who think that the reason they're not getting promoted is because of their English. Okay. And sometimes it is, but usually it's not. <laughs> and it's usually just because their presentation skills are awful or something like that, and their English is fine. So I work with their language, I work with their presentation, I work with uh, confidence, um, which is a laugh, seeing as you know, I know nothing about that. <laughs> um, but... Uh, and was that the day job for all those years when you weren't? Yeah, that's stuff? what I've always done. Teaching. Um, and, you know, on the teaching side, the, the, the people who enjoy my classes, the response is always, oh, you, but you should be an actor. And I said, well, what do you think I am? Yeah, it's a performance. You don't really think that I go home and, you know, discuss grammar with my husband, do you? I mean, like, I don't. <laughs> I mean, of course I don't. You know, it's like... That's an act. I'm not really interested in whether you make a mistake or not, you know, but I pretend to be. That's my job. And I, I think that that comes across, you know, that's on stage too. Mm, mm. That, you know, you, you, you sing in some pretty peculiar places sometimes. And I never let it affect me. I just say, you know, somebody's asked me to come and do this. I'm just going to do it. Mm. And if there's you know, two people there, it doesn't matter. Um, I'll sing to them. Um, but also it's the same if you, you know, occasionally I have had big audiences and I just say, well, it doesn't phase me. It's just people. People aren't scary. That does not, you know, I mean, they're, they're just people. Mm-hmm. Most of them are sitting there going, oh, I just can't imagine how brave you are getting up there and doing it. Well, it is a bit mad. 
Yes, is. <laughs> but they, and they're generally on your side. That's the thing that I. They are generally. I've, yeah. I've done performing for years and stuff, but it's something I got really nervous about a couple of years ago. I was someone's best man. Yeah, yeah, do something out of the. Yeah, and I do. I've in done theatre. I've done comedy and stuff, and and I I was nervous. And people were saying to me, "Oh, you're nervous. You perform all the time." I was like, "Yeah, but it's not my audience." Yeah, and it's their wedding. <laughs> so if you know, and, and the best man's speech has quite a quite a pressure on it, really, because yeah, it's yeah. got to be funny. It's got to be a bit embarrassing. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be. So if you don't hit those marks and you just do a nice little speech, it's kind of. But then as I stood up there and I looked around that room, I thought. You're all sitting there thinking, oh, I wouldn't want to do that. Yes. I'm glad it's not me up there. And I thought, so here we go then. <laughs> and you know what? I, I went to see, um, you know, Martin Joseph. Yes. I mean, Martin Joseph's music is it's fantastic, but it's not my thing. But I, th- I think he's an amazing um, songwriter and performer. But, you know, when you go and see Martin, he hits the first couple of chords of the first song and you just relax. You just think, oh, I'm in the presence of somebody who knows what they're doing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and I can just sit back and enjoy it, and I'm not kind of on edge thinking, "Oh, I hope you don't mess up." I hope it goes. Yeah, it could go you wrong know, at any moment. You yeah. know what you're doing, and if you fluff it, you'll just make a joke out of it. Yes, and we can all relax and have a lovely evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's quite important. To the, you know, any nervousness on your part makes the audience nervous. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, but you don't s- want to be cocky. You don't want to be arrogant. No. But at the same time, it's kind of it's all right. It's like a taxi driver. I know what I'm doing. You I know, can drive. He's I taken drive. the wrong I know turn, my way. but he'll get me there. <laughs> it's, like, it's okay, and we're going to be safe. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's very true. Ooh, that was noisy. Um, good. What else did I want to say? Oh, um, I'm interested in how people approach or are affected by criticism. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I kind of feel like I know how most people are affected by criticism, but it, I think it is possible to look on criticism as um, something that can be helpful. Yeah. Um, even if you don't agree with it. And for me personally, I guess criticism that hurts tends to be if it touches on something I am perhaps slightly anxious about myself anyway, and perhaps there's some truth in it. <laughs> so I just wonder... Oh, well, there's always some truth in it. Yeah. But the thing is that whether you were aware about aware of it before... Beforehand. If you know that, then you say, well, I know that. Yeah. You know, um, somebody points something out that you'd never thought of. Um. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm i old enough not to care that much. Mm. Um, part of the reason I didn't perform all those years was because I was quite sensitive and things and I've, I've grown out of it. Um, I mean, you know, someone like Neil, you know, he's turned into a good mate. He's critical of me. He likes me mm. and he likes what I do. But mm. I mean, he's always critical about my seven minute songs, you know. And I just say, but they have to be seven minutes. They are seven minutes. And I get um, kind of frustrated. I mean, even with one of yours today, you know, I just thought I was just getting into the groove and it ended. I said, there's at least a couple more verses in there. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, and I said, I'm not making singles. I'm not making commercial single stuff. I know that you won't play it on the radio because it's too long. I know that. So I always put a couple of short ones on the album that you can play. But that song needs to be the length it is. Mm. It tells a story and it needs three verses. You can't have a story in two. Mm. Really. You know, there's, you know, there's an intro, a development and a mm-hmm. denouement. I mean, it has to be that way. And the, the part of the way I write is every time I feel myself going to the obvious, I'll try and do something deliberately. Just say, no, don't go to that chord. Mm-hmm. 
go somewhere else and make it longer and, and put a, throw another line in that shouldn't be there, doesn't scan. Make it scan, make it work. Makes mm. it interesting for me. Um, criticism. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm very wordy. And lots of people have said so. Mm-hmm. And you suddenly realize, but I like wordy music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's not really a criticism. That's just, you don't like wordy music. That's mm-hmm. fine. I like wordy music. Mm-hmm. I like other musicians who are wordy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like words. I don't like poetry, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> um, but I do like wordy songs and I don't like meaningless fun lyrics. I don't like it. I, I just think it's a waste of time. Mm. Unless you're James Brown, and then <laughs> that's different, mm. <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, but uh, does it hurt? No, absence of comment hurts more than criticism. Yeah, being ignored completely. Um, or sort of... Hmm. Indifference. Yes, that, that that's actually more kind of... Don't you realise I've just <laughs> put my soul yes. out there? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, like, yeah. At least give me the credit for having the balls to do it, you know. <laughs> and um, and there's that thing that I think I'm becoming more aware of now. Um, not everyone is your audience. Not everyone is your customer. And it's better to have a reaction, even if it's a negative one sometimes, I think. I was, oh, yeah. I was talking to um, Mary Spender, who's uh-huh. a YouTuber. Mm. And... It's this whole thing that scares people about putting yourself on mm. YouTube. Whatever. People might say nasty things. Mm. <laughs> She's like, I want them to. Because the more people who say that stuff, the more people there are who are enjoying it. Yes, there's that too. There's that so too. it's kind of, it's the, yeah. 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 So you will, and I, you know, I've, I feel like I've had a bit of a sort of um, spurt, if you excuse the expression, <laughs> social media-wise recently. And that's mostly been positive. But yeah. then I have had completely... A couple of, I wouldn't say trolling, but completely unprovoked and surprising stuff. And you go, oh, and initially I do find that a bit of a challenge. But then I think that's part of the territory yes. of having a bigger reach. Definitely. And I think, and I think, you know, with you know, doing what we do, you have to kind of at least slowly develop a sense to yourself of why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. This ain't going to make me rich. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, ne- I, I'm, you know, I'm, now you tell me. Well, I'm niche. You know, I, I'm never going to make enough money. I'm never going to get enough gigs that pay to to actually do it as a living. And I'm too old. I'm nearly sixty. Mm. You know, I can't. I can't do that. I have to have a job. <laughs> so it has to be a secondary thing. Um. Uh. But that doesn't mean it's less important. No. Um. So, I don't know, I just think, well, with, I, I mean, I've never had somebody actually come up and sort of hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, the last song I did tonight was about, uh, I, it was a new song, I just wrote it two, week, two weeks ago, the day after a gig in London at the Harrison, um, mm-hmm. where it was it was great. It was a songwriter's circle, and we sold out. Down in the great. basement. Yeah. yeah none of it um, and it went really well. I really enjoyed it. I was with two great mates on stage and uh, it was lovely. And, but I was explaining to the audience here that there's a weird thing that happens when you, when you play in a club or something and you're on the floor, you're on the same level as them. Yes. Doesn't happen because they kind of know that sound works in two ways. But if you even raise just a little bit on a stage, this thing happens where people think it's a barrier. They can't be heard. And so they'll comment 
And he's, hang on, you're only two yards away. I can hear you. you know? <laughs> and right at the end of the gig, it'd gone really well, and we'd had all the claps, and we'd had an encore, and we'd done everything else. And people were filing out. And this woman, who had sat a bit sort of stony-faced, she'd clapped, you know, I thought it was right. But she was clearly a friend who had been brought along. Yeah. You know, yep. and had been brought along because, oh, I think you'll like it. You know? <laughs> and I just heard, she just turned and said in a big, loud voice, a line that became immediately the line of the song. Yeah, yeah. you see, I like Steve Knightley songs, but not these. <laughs> <laughs> and right, I just burst, I burst into laughter. And she kind of looked really embarrassed. She said, oh, I didn't know, sorry. <laughs> yeah. You're two yards in front of me. What do you think? Of course you know, we heard you. <laughs> I had a gig a few weeks ago, and it was a fairly full room. And someone came in, paid to come in, and fit, sort of halfway through the set. And he sat at the back, and he was talking to his wife. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a completely silent room. So I did all the tricks. I played quieter. I eyeballed them. Played quieter. And, and you know, it's a tricky one, but other people in the audience who'd paid their money as well were getting fed up yes. because it was, you yeah, know, I could see yeah, them turning around yeah. and the tutting was yeah. happening. So I was like, I'm going to have to say something. And I did a really quiet tune, very, you know, quiet and intricate. And he talked again so I stopped and looked right and even when I stopped he carried on talking for a minute and his wife went <gasps> and I said look I'm really sorry but it's very hard to do this yeah. if you're going to talk through oh I'm very sorry very sorry he carried on he was fine and then I said to my fiance I said what was he actually saying well he was talk- turning around and explaining what you just said about the yes. song and then saying how good your guitar playing was and he's like oh. it was mansplaining to his wife yeah but, but, she, was, but he was saying how much she was enjoying it yes, he's like oh god but you know well, because you were right to say something because everyone was getting annoyed there's a lack of understanding I think I mean, it, I mean that doesn't sound like somebody very young but there's a lot of people who actually have never been taught how to behave in a public <laughs> performance I mean you know, that you shut up well, there's different types of gigs, yeah. isn't it? Is a thing. Well, it's if, not a pub gig. I if mean, people are used sort of... to pub gigs, or or even you know loud rock band gigs where you can talk, it doesn't matter. Yes. The band can't hear you. It's a different. And you know, my experience was the first. I don't know, probably hundred gigs I did. It was talking in pubs, you know. And if somebody listened for three or four songs, you'd yeah. done well. Yeah. And then you start to do these things where people listen and they're interested in the music, and suddenly somebody just whispering about their what they want from the bar <laughs> is a big. <laughs> A front to you, and you go. And I, I did go through a bit of a stage. Where I think I've been a bit of a prick sometimes because people would just have these tiny conversations, and I'd try and stare them down. So. Yeah. Well, I don't know. In the 1980s, I was working in London, and my school I was working in was directly opposite the Dominion Theatre. And I remember at lunchtime watching them put up the the letters on the, and it was just going, n, e, n, na, si, ma. Oh my God! <laughs> and it was a sort of no, no pre, um, no, previously not unannounced. Mm-hmm. Nina Simone <laughs> live in concert tomorrow, <laughs> and I just was out of my class and over there, and I bought tickets for the two nights she was going to do it, and they were both fantastic. But both nights there was an incident. And the first night, I remember, there was just some drunk bloke up at the top of the theatre, just doing a sort of, no, but I don't know. And, you know, his girlfriend's going, shh, 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 yep, yep, yeah, shh, No, don't tell me to show you. And it went on for a bit, and, and it was quite obvious that she heard it straight from, you know, right from the beginning. 
And he shut up every time she stopped singing. Yeah. So in the silent bits, he was fine. Even she thought he's done. Maybe he's done now. And she started playing this sort of one note song. And the moment she opened her mouth, my, she just stopped, lifted her finger off the piano, you know, and just said, honey, if you do not like my music, why don't you get the hell out? <laughs> and could somebody please see that he does just that? And just sat and waited until <laughs> five bounces carried him out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Which they did. And, of course, everybody then is terrified. Yeah, don't speak. <laughs> don't <laughs> sneeze. Don't cough. Don't do anything. <laughs> but it was a fantastic gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I quite, I've done that a couple of times. Yeah. When I've actually said, I can't do this if you keep doing yes, that. Yes, it's too hard, yeah. Um, and actually, it's when it's ticketed. If it's a pub gig, I don't care. But mm. when it's a ticketed thing. Well, that's it, isn't And I've it? said, I'm sorry, people have actually paid to that's come it. and see me. They haven't come to pay to listen to you. Yeah, that's right. And even though you've paid too, yeah. you can have your money back, mate. Yeah, yeah. And you're acting you know? on behalf of your audience <laughs> and, then, because they, they're, um, they're having their But they're all back. embarrassed and sort of wish you hadn't done it in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Because they don't really. Like said, this guy. <laughs> want a he, scene. Didn't, he didn't realise, bless him. And then he was very complimentary about it afterwards. And I did feel a little bit bad because it, it's not like he was saying he's oh, oh shit. He's, he was. Saying nice <laughs> he was actually singing. Nice, it's just yeah. it could have. I've had it in um, in Germany when I've played there as well, and it was a bit disconcerting at yeah. first. Every time I sang, I'd stop and I'd do a bit of spiel, then I'd start to play, and there'd be a few seconds of talk. Then I realised it was people translating. translating what you're saying, yeah. They like the story, but the people with less good English. Oh, okay, that's really cool. Actually, yeah. <laughs> um, good collaboration. Is that something that you've worked mm. on songwriting collaborations? More recently, songwriting. No, but I, I, I would like to, but I don't know how. So you, have um, you never I've, written a song with somebody, or not much? No, never have. And um, I've been lucky enough to get to know some songwriters who I really rate as being some of the best songwriters around, and they're fantastic collaborators. And I've never had the time, mm -hmm. when they're free, to just say, can you teach me how to do it? <laughs> you know, Charlie Dore. Mm -hmm. She's an amazing songwriter. Um, and her own stuff is gorgeous. But she obviously just knows how she has this ability to... Oh, and you were talking about going on a, a songwriting workshop mm -hmm. sort of thing. I'd love to do that because I just don't really know how other people do it so i don't know where to where it can meet where you meet yeah um i'm quite i write lyrics quite quickly and i'm quite pleased with myself when i do it and don't really like other people's lyrics to my music yes <laughs> so, yeah, yeah um so when they've come up with a line, I sort of say, mm -hmm. yeah, well, yeah. I think mine's better <laughs> that's it and collaboration is compromised um, and it, it has to be either something I think if you can play genre music if you can say let's write a blues then it's kind of less personal it's less away it, it's further away from what you do or or if you're into folk you know you, you can let you know let's let's just come up with a little ballad or something mm -hmm. that that's easier um I don't I wouldn't know where to start I have occasionally um thrown some ideas at somebody and actually there are a couple of songs on the first album that were definitely the result of some collaboration, but it, mm -hmm. it it was brainstorming. Yeah, they came up with some lyrics to some chords I have. 
I hated them, but I ha- I loved the ideas. Okay. So I rewrote them. Yeah. Yeah. And she was okay with that. Mm-hmm. Luckily. <laughs> and um, again, that's source material, isn't it? It's somebody else's. She 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 thought of some ideas that I wouldn't have thought of, and the song became something that it wouldn't have done without yeah. her input. Yeah. Um. But I don't know where I. Yeah. I can't jam. Um. So I don't know how you do it. Mm. I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I've always I've said to you know I, I know Reg Miros mm. quite well now, and I've I've said you know, I'd love to sit down with you and you just and just sort of okay, let's agree, let's just do a GCD song mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with a melody that nobody's heard before. Because mm. mm. I'm sure he could. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, what do you write about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's you've got to try it, only that's the thing. I think... Uh, well, you were given a task, weren't you? Yeah. Sort of, you are given a sort of challenge. Now, I can take challenges. That's right. And one of the and... things that did come out of that a bit, and I've tried it with other people when I've written it, it's like... Well, we're not writing for Robert Lane album, and we're not writing for you. We're writing for other people, for an imaginary. Yeah. I mean, on that that course you mentioned, one of the tasks mm. was they put us in bands, and I think they purposefully put you with people who you wouldn't have think like. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it was a bit of stalemate for a bit. We don't really know what we're doing, and then we thought, well, let's write a song for Beyonce then. And <laughs> <laughs> um, bec- and Beyonce is not going to sing one of my songs, and I'm not going to write a bit because I'm writing it for Beyonce. <laughs> then it's a different. You give yourself permission to do something different. And then I found when I've worked with yes. other songwriters kind of on the circuit, um, when it's your own product, you, you oh, no, I don't do that. I don't want yes. it to do like that. But, but at some point you can give yourself permission to say, I wouldn't do it that way, but we're going to do it that way. Yes. It's a, yeah, yes. okay, fine. I think part of the problem as well is that actually, like a, I mean, actually, like a lot of musicians, I don't spend a lot of time listening to other musicians. Yeah, well, I've I've got into this recently. And, <laughs> I mean, one one of the things about podcasting is I I say to you I listen to podcasts all the time. So whenever I'm driving, I'm generally listening to podcasts. I ain't listening to much music at the moment, and I'm I've purposefully over the last few months been like I'm going to listen to music I haven't listened to before. Mm. You know, there's lots. Mm. I'm I'm well into my classic pop and rock, and I'm very mm. knowledgeable about the stuff I'm knowledgeable about. But there's whole swathes of things I've never paid mm. any attention to. So I'm going to. Gonna listen to some of those top-notch albums I've not paid attention yes, to. Yes, I think there's always those. But I'm forcing myself to do I it. I kind of don't want to, you know. I, yeah. I, and I, I, I know that actually, you know, in my car, <laughs> the favourite album is mine. <laughs> <laughs> Partly because of the way it was made, which was very much. I wrote the songs. I went into the studio. I spent two days. I did the guitar and the vocal, mm-hmm. and I handed it to George and said, "Make an album out of that." Right. Okay. And he produced it and did the instrumentation and did everything. So oh, it doesn't cool. feel like my album. It feels no. like something that um, I'm amazed. Yeah. That, oh, my God, that's my album. And it yeah, sounds yeah. amazing. So I get a real pleasure. Listening to it. From how somebody else has interpreted my song. Mm. But they didn't have to sing it. At least I got to sing it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they had to work with what I'd done. Um. Do you and enjoy the studio? I do now. Yeah, I do now with George. I've never done it anywhere else. And um, this is um, George is a friend of mine who has a, just a little sort of studio in a shed. But he's he's got the right patience for me. Mm. Um, he's he you know he'll tell you what he wants, mm. but he's also just you know we've done four takes, Greg. Um, I think. 
might need to practice this a bit more. <laughs> we've done four <laughs> takes, you do and it, we've not got any you know, closer. You're not so. ready to record this, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's normally, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of three takes, and that's enough. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's going to be rubbish. Go away and practice it if you haven't got it right yet. Mm-hmm. You can always do the vocals again. Mm-hmm. We can do the guitar again, but, you know, it needs to be, that's good enough. That's what you want. We've tried it at that speed. We've tried it at that speed. You put the capo in a different place. Didn't make any difference. Come on. It's just, that's fine. Um, and uh, I got used to that. Mm. And I like that. I like that. It, it sounds fresh. Mm. Um, so, and it leaves me free to say, well, I don't sing it like that now. But that's because I've listened to the album loads of times. And I just think, well, yeah, I'm going to sing it a bit differently now. Mm. But I'm happy with what it is. Mm. Um He's very sensitive. He, he gets me. He knows what I like. Um, and he will throw on 25 different instruments or none. Mm. He serves the song. Um, follows the song. And, uh, you know, I gave him some vague ideas about the, the, the intro to the album. I just, I just want this, like, industrial noise, industri- industrial kind of... Slush, <laughs> and he just looked at me. So I don't know what you mean. But he came up with something that's just so brilliant that it wasn't at all what I'd imagined. But it does what I imagined. Yes, it it yeah. does what I wanted it to do. Um, and the song sort of appears out of this mess. Mm. And somebody who gets you mm. is the best collaborator. Mm. But actually, we, we've never sat down and talked about it. You know, I do my bit, and then he does his bit. Yeah. Um, and so far, it's worked pretty well. You know. Good. Um, but uh, and the songwriter circles that I've been doing on this, that sort of collaboration, I really like. Hanging out with people who kind of do the same thing as you. It's fun. Yeah. Touring's lonely. Yep. Um, and even though you're sort of with people that kind of like what you do and everything else, they're not doing the same thing as you. And, you know, to actually be on stage with two people who also sit on the edge of their bed, you know, driving their partner insane by playing the same three chords (laughs) over and over and over again. And then, and, um, why do we do it? I don't know, but, but there are lots of people who do. And, uh, you know, the, I, my, my idea was to go on tour, basically to try to get to places I, I, where I, I'm, I've never been. But I might know someone there. So mm-hmm. it was going to be a sort of me, my mate, and my mate's mate mm-hmm. tour. And several of the gigs were like that, and they went really well. And you're on stage together. So you're on stage show, together, yeah. and you take it in turns. Yep. So the audience get a bit of a show. Yes. There's some banter between you. Yep, yep. Um the idea is always that you have a set list that you can stick to. But if you suddenly think, actually, you know, that song you've just sung reminds Sparked me of things. And me, yeah. You know, I've got one like that. Let's do that as an answer or as a, mm-hmm. something else. Um, so there's a bit of spontaneity there. Um, and it's such, you know, you only have to do six songs. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a whole evening of entertainment, yes. you know. You have to split the money three ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... I think I think you said as well. It's a show. Um, I think about this a lot. That sort of person, with a guitar. yeah, person with a guitar standing there singing. Yeah, okay. But if there's something that makes it makes it a bit more like a show, or almost a theatrical event, I think part of the problem is that I don't know who came up with this two two sets of forty five minutes mm. thing. 
it's too much of anyone. Mm. You know, my favourite people I wouldn't listen to for more than an hour at a time. Yeah. And that would be listening to a mix of stuff of theirs you already know, perhaps. Yeah, or at least going off and having a cup of tea and something in the middle. Whereas, you know, if you're asking people to listen to all new information (sighs) twice for 45 minutes... It's It's enough, you know, and I I just think... um, You know, financially, people want to do solo gigs because otherwise, you know, when you're getting paid 120 quid or something, you you share that and you haven't paid your petrol. Yeah. Um, but as an audience member, which I quite often am, 45 minutes is enough of mm. almost anyone. Mm. Somebody, you know, if I went to see Joni Mitchell live, I might put up with an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> might. <laughs> but I want to hear the good stuff. I don't, you know, yeah. a couple of new ones, all right. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. But, um, I want to hear a couple I know, a couple I haven't heard before, but, you know, are in your repertoire and see how it goes. So I just I just find that songwriter circle thing relieves all that. that everybody, mm. they get a, a full evening's show, but they don't get too much of one person. Mm. And they can contrast and compare. And I was quite careful about who I chose mm. to be on the stage with me as sort of people with, you know, definitely not the same, not, mm-hmm. not, not really after the same thing, but in the same world. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, and all of them, you know, people who sit on the edge of their bed strumming guitars and coming up with songs. Yeah. You know, and some are bluesy and some are poppy and some are folky. And, mm. um, but in the end, they're all doing the same thing, mm. which is a weird thing that humans do. A weird do. thing to do, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think the audience don't often get how weird it is. Mm. Don't they see the finished thing? Don't they? <laughs> they see the final product. I guess they don't see the the the, the bit. <laughs> well, they don't see the bit that isn't like you know the the ninety percent of songs that never make it. Mm. Bits of it might pop through in another song sometimes, but most of it just gets ignored. I mean, I don't. Uh, are you good at um, recording yourself and remembering ideas? Do you write things down? Because um, I'm terrible. I don't. I'd, I'd record them, yeah. Um, if they—that's uh, part of the thing, isn't it? If they're any good, I think you can remember them. Is, yeah, but is I can't. The idea. You don't. Oh, the number of times I've—I've I've gone to bed thinking that's great. Yeah, that's great. I, can't, I can't remember a thing. And I, and I remember before I gone to bed saying, "Shall I just stick the phone on and just?" No, it'll be there. Oh, it'll be. How can I forget something <laughs> as brilliant as that? No idea. All I remember is there was a good thing. Mm. And occasionally, a few mm. weeks later, I sort of think I'm writing something and suddenly think, I think I've written this before. Yeah. And, it's <laughs> and a bit gem. of it comes out. Actually, yeah, um, recording them is a good idea because there'll be things that I might come back to in months later. That, that idea was really good. But the chances of remembering all the chords, <laughs> uh, you know, are fairly slim. So you, And I've actually had that experience, which is very weird, <laughs> of listening to yourself. I, can't, to think, I have no idea how I play that. What the hell is he playing? It's you. I can't do it. I've, I've, I've got recordings. Ever since computers were available to have at home, mm. I have made little sort of private albums for myself that mm. nobody else has ever heard. And I do mine them occasionally. Mm. And you just sort of go through and say, you know, that's not bad. That's quite a good song. Mm. How do you play it? What, what, was what is that tuning? Yeah. And, and you sort of go through and say, well, what tunings were I, was I using then? I said, 
recognize any of those I was in my blue period, so it was bad gad. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, really completely unable to, to work out where the chord is. Yeah. Um, completely unable to do it. And I've, I've sat down, there was one like recently that I thought that would actually fit in well thematically with something else I'm doing. And, you know, you need someone like Sam Carter who would be able to listen to it and know he'd know what tuning it was mm. in. And you'd say, well, well, that's obviously, that's a sort your of decised tuning yeah, and yeah, your fingers yeah, yeah. are there. You know, and, uh, oh, right, okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I was just testing. <laughs> Good. Okay, um, just to wrap up then, um, I'm just interested to know, what would be your definition of success, either creatively... Career-wise, would where would you be where you'd be able to say yes? That's what I was trying to do. Well, as I said, for me, it's not commercial. It's not. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. Success for me. I mean, I I like other musicians getting what I do. Mm. It's more important than general public. I mean, you know, it's not for other musicians, but when other musicians actually come and say. I really like the way you play or that song's kind of, you know, good. (laughs) That means more to me than anything else. So actually a good review written by somebody who knows what they're talking about um, with a bit of perception and um, uh, that means more than anything else mm. and for me that's success the last album I'm, you know I mean it's not made me money it's cost me a lot of money to make it but it got a lot of nice comments mm-hmm. from people that I respect who didn't have to say anything nice yeah um, they could easily have just said bit of a mess 303 was better mm. um, <clears throat> but they didn't mm. and they were willing to go with it and just say you know and, and other musicians that I really admire just kind of bringing you into their circle yeah and actually just think what really you kind of think that i'm like doing what you do yeah i'm one of you (laughs) You and uh, oh yeah and they do yeah you know and they and sort of being you know a couple of times it's happened where somebody's contacted me because somebody else that i really like has told me about has told them about me that's great yeah and that kind of says oh that's ornament as long as somebody likes it somebody Mm. gets it it's Mm. not even liking it they get it Mm -hmm. um appreciate it yeah listens to it more than once yeah yeah yeah. you know and actually goes back and thinks i quite like to have that in the car Mm -hmm. you know that's quite nice (laughs) cool um you know a really good gig with a crowd that half knew you and half didn't mm. and by the end you know people are smiling mm. laughing saying nice things and you sell half a dozen cds mm. lovely mm. you know go home and you just think oh, it's all right i did a thing i did a thing yeah <laughs> you know and it's all right and not everybody can do it and i'm glad you know <laughs> and uh but at the same time, all those years of doing it by myself without any feedback at all, mm. I had to learn to be self-critical. Mm. Yes, there had to be you know, another uh, and another reason to do it. So you know, I don't put stuff out there that's rubbish. Yeah. I, don't, I know it's not. It might not be everybody's cup of tea, but I know it's not rubbish. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
you know, and I think there are people who sort of said, oh, I don't know how to do stuff and yeah, whatever. see yeah, what yeah. happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. Yeah. Some of the success, it would be nice to be sort of, you know, called up by the BBC to do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be nice. Mm-hmm. But I think even then, a lot of that would be, it would be nice for my mum. Yes. Rather than for me. I don't really care about it. But then again, it's that same thing, isn't it? It would mean that somebody at the BBC or whoever um, saw something in your your material yes. and appreciated it. That would be nice to be listening to somebody else talking about music and they mention you. Yes. It's a, it's a <laughs> terrible word. It's a terrible word, but it is validation at some point, isn't at it? At some kind point, of, of course it is. Of like... Um, yeah, being thought of in the same, you know, the same kind of world as as other stuff. Well, and also, you know, when I say I spend a bit of time with with Nick Jones, who is completely not at all like that. I mean, he, he basically thinks people still listen to me. Why? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It's okay. But when you take him out, and people go, oh, "Are you Nick Jones?" Oh, I love your. Of course he likes it. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, of course he does. And he thinks, oh, yeah, people still think I'm somebody to talk to mm. because I played a few songs mm. 30 years ago. Mm. And Nick quite likes that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's not financial for him at all. He hasn't made a penny for 30 years. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that validation is important. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary, but it's nice when it it's pleasant. Comes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Greg, thank you so much for that. Thanks, That's Rob. Great. Nice to meet you. Cool. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. See you next time on the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast. If you could subscribe to the podcast, share it, like it, comment on it, review it, tell all your friends about it, all of those things would be fantastic because the more that people do that, the more that new people get a chance to hear the podcast, join the community and enjoy the content that we're putting out. You can find me at robertlanemusic.co.uk and I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as Robert Lane Music. Please get in touch, let me know if you're enjoying the programmes and who you think I should talk to in the future. Thank you, until next time, goodbye.